Support for Oyster World Radio comes from you, our listeners. If you would like to support the show, visit the link in the show description or visit patreon.com slash oysterworldradio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind-the-scenes coverage of how these random interviews materialize, plus some unique travel tips. So don't miss out and support the show today. More support means meeting more people that you would normally never meet, less travel headaches while on the road, and you get to learn the ins and outs of everywhere I go. Become a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. All the links are in the show description, and support the show today. Welcome to Oyster World. Radio. Hello, Oysters, and welcome to another episode of Oyster World Radio, the podcast where we broaden our perspectives by listening to the stories of people from all over the globe. I'm Nathan Lieberman, and in this episode, we are heading back to Nicosia, Cyprus, to have a chat with Christiana Polivio. I am now back in the States after this crazy two-year adventure, but that doesn't mean that the podcast is through yet. This is the first of a small mini-series of missed connections, where I just didn't have the time or space to record the interview in person, so we had to make it up on the back end. And I'm so glad we did, because Christiana is awesome. She really saved our necks in Cyprus, as travel planning caught us dead to rights, and we had nothing set up once the plane touched down in Cyprus. She connected us with friends and gave us all sorts of suggestions and in the end, saved the Cyprus segment of the trip. Once again, she's awesome. And I'll shut up so you can find out for yourself. Coming from Nicosia, Cyprus, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Christiana Polyview. Well, Christiana, welcome to Oyster World Radio. We're extremely happy to have you on. How are you doing? Hi, Nathan. I am great. Thank you for having me. It's great to talk with you and catch up and tell you about my life. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're going to do. I'm <laughs> really happy that we're going to be able to do this because I we missed each other. Well, we saw each other, but we didn't have enough time to record the podcast when we were in Cyprus. And I don't think a lot of people know about Cyprus, which is unfortunate, but you are a true Cypriot through and through. I am a true Cypriot. Uh, or as I've been asked if I'm Cypriotian, I'm not Cypriotian, I am Cypriot. <laughs> <laughs> so Cypriotian is not a, not a thing. No. I already <laughs> said it wrong. So I say Cyprus, so it's, is it Cyprus? Or... You see, I corrected you in very, like, a uh, sneaky way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Cypriot. I am Cypriot. Cypriot. Yes. Okay. Well, once again, my pronunciation skills are coming back to haunt me. So, <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually didn't know much about the island before I went there. And I know a lot Ooh. of listeners probably don't know much about the island it, itself or even where it's located. So could you just give us a brief overview of where it is and and where you are on the island? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so Cyprus, it's a, in a very strategic point. It's in the middle of three continents, which is Europe, Africa, and Asia, like Middle East. So, yeah, so we're like crossroads, let's say. And that's why a lot of, during the year, during history, you see like a lot of people wanted to get a hold of the island. And, uh, you know, currently we're uh, actually 
uh, occupied by the Turks. We're, uh, I think we, Nicosia, which is the capital, is the only divided capital in the world right now. That's right. So, yeah. It's almost a, a glimpse into what Berlin was like, and I'm sure a whole lot mm. of other cities, but yeah. it is, it is a divided capital, yeah. which is extremely it's interesting. It's lived there. Yeah, yeah. In, you can cross a line, we call it the green line, and you can be like in another, uh, and that, that's actually, it's a fake government. It's not a legal entity, like the Turkish side of, of Cyprus. It's not uh, registered as a country. It's just like the occupied side of, of Cyprus by the Turkey. Yeah. But I don't want to get political. <laughs> <laughs> it's very yeah. true. Let's keep it, because, yeah, it's not a recognized nation, but it, it is really yeah. interesting to see... It was nice because me and Jackie had the opportunity to go to both sides and just, mm. you know, the, the it sucks because, sure, it's a strategic point, and I'm sure you get a lot mm. of conflict because of that, but the people are so mm. nice there. I mean, they're islanders, yeah. and life is... No, I mean, poli uh, politics is something, and the people are something else, so, I mean, people can be great and good, and but everywhere, not only this side, the other side. All sides. Yeah, very well said. Very well, <laughs> said. well, let's zoom in on the people part of that equation as we get to know you and your life on this, well, for, at least for me, this sort of mysterious island in between three continents. So you grew up in Nicosia, and yes. both of your parents were, I'm going to say Cypriots again, Cypriots? Cypriots, yes. Cypriots. Uh, both your parents were Cypriots as well, and you lived there for the majority of your childhood until you're 18. So what was life on the island like for you? Can you walk us through a normal day in your life, say, if you were 13 years old? Sure. 13 years old, I was I still in school? I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, school, high school. So, like, I wake up in the morning and pretty early take uh, the bus or my parents will drive me to school and just have fun. Uh, it was it was an innocent time, I can say. It wasn't like we we didn't know how to misbehave. We did, but it wasn't like drugs or smoking. Like we could uh, every time someone even smoked, you know, take like try a cigarette. Everyone in the school would be like, "Oh my God, he smoked." <laughs> you know, like we didn't know what sex was or like it wasn't like now. I don't know how to explain it. It was re really like innocent and like the girls were very reserved. The boys were like, you know, being boys, but still not in the sense of giving us a hard time or like overly friendly. It was respectful. Um, our teachers were nice. Uh, we had good relationships with uh, our teachers. Were you pretty popular at the school? I'm sure you were probably one of the more social ones getting <laughs> to know you. Um, not really, because I was really not ugly really? back then. <laughs> oh, bullshit. That's, was, probably, that's was, not true at all. I was really ugly back then. I was like overweight, <laughs> very hairy, very hairy, because all the, the uh, Mediterranean what? girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. Like a unibrow and everything, like you know. No way, you had a yeah. unibrow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty now epic. it's it's nope. cleared. Nope, not anymore. Not <laughs> anymore. So. But I you know, I have a like, hard time believing that. Yeah, I have photos. 
<laughs> yes, and hopefully you would be brave enough to share one of those photos with us in the audience. Let's I'm see, so maybe, maybe, maybe. So it was an innocent time, and was the was the high school a big school? Was it a smaller school? Because Nicosia is not the biggest city in in the world. So was the high school uh-huh. pretty big? Actually, uh, I didn't go to one of the schools, the high schools in Nicosia in the city. Uh, I was blessed, let's say, because I really liked it uh, to to be the first generation of uh, students in the uh, brand new uh, high school, which was in one of the villages close to my city. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, it was like five classes only in the high school. So it was like a big family. Everyone knew each other, you know. The teachers were young, and it was nice. Yeah, so it was a brand new high school, sort of a yeah. new experiment that you were getting thrown into. Yeah. yeah. And also, do you think, the we, we talked a little bit earlier about how faith was a big part of your life. Would you say that um, Cy- Cyprus is fairly religious as a whole, or was this just your family's decision? What do you think? Um, the the um, let's say official religion in Cyprus is uh, Greek Orthodox, but uh, even though like you have it on your ID that you're Greek Orthodox, uh, people do not practice it in the sense like they they might go to church like the the younger the generation or the people the um, the less they they're involved let's say like they mm-hmm. they don't they go to church only on Christmas or um, Easter time, um, and if someone is getting married or having a baptism, like a christening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apart from that, like, no one really cares. Sometimes I was just, like, I was practicing my faith in how I grew, I grew up in a Pentecostal house, let's say. And uh, we were going to church every Sunday. I was going to Sunday school but like even that, it wasn't very welcomed sometimes. Some, really? some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kids didn't really care what you believed in, but some others like, like for example, I would uh, be scared to share uh, my faith with other children because you don't know how to. They would respond to that. Even like even t- talking to them might, uh, you know, their parents could say, "Oh, don't talk to my daughter because." They didn't know, and you know, when it's a small community and a small um, social circle, that you you get scared of the unknown or the unusual. So. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So it actually wasn't accepted a lot of times, and you seemed almost as an outlier at points. Um, it happened. It happened. Like uh, I had a friend, a uh, girl, and when I told told her like, oh yeah, I'm not an Orthodox exactly. Like I have like my faith is kind of different even though we have the same principles and stuff. And she got kind of like, you know, okay, I'm not going to hang out with you that much then, you know, stuff like that. But not, yeah, yeah. But not in the point where, like, it affected me. I don't care. I was like, okay. Yeah, just have that attitude. I'm still doing me. It's okay. Yeah. pretty cool. If you don't want to hang out with me, then I don't want to hang out with you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, not uh, too much uh, persecution, let's say, quote, quote, <laughs> but uh, it was okay. Yeah, and did you, was, so when I think of an island, too, and when I was there, I felt what I would call the island life, and that mm. is maybe 
you know, everything's a little bit easygoing. Nothing mm. moves nearly as fast because it doesn't have to. And when the beach is right there, why would you work so hard? Sort of mentality. Would you say Cyprus has the that same mentality? Does it fit into that island life stereotype? Uh, it does, but at the same time, it does not. I'll explain. Like when you come as a tourist, of course you're gonna feel that because there is the sun, there's the beach. But for example, for me, which I live in Nicosia, which is the capital, and like it takes me half an hour or 40 minutes or one hour to go to the beach. It might sound not like a lot of time, but because time does move differently in Cyprus, like 15, ta- 15, <laughs> yeah, 15 minutes. <laughs> I know it does sound funny, but uh, for a Cypriotian or a Cypriot, which is the correct way to pronounce it, like 15 minutes. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, half an hour can be a bit much. Yeah, I can imagine. So, so like if you come, like if you work nine to five, you know, and by by five, which is not going to be five, it's going to be like six. If you want to chill or you're going to go to the gym or like go see someone, you're not going to go to the beach, you know, on a weekday. It's kind of difficult to do that. But if you live closer to the sea, because in the capital, it's uh, it's not near the water. So but yeah, if you, you live in Limassol, in the middle. Of yeah, the, of the island. Yeah, it's a yeah. smallish island, but still in the middle. That's a it's a long distance. Yeah, to cover. yeah. So like, if you don't have your own house close to the sea, you don't normally. I mean, if you have someone, you if you visit someone, uh, let's say my boyfriend right now lives in Limassol, which is uh, by the water. So I will go visit him, let's say tomorrow. So like, I will go and have a stroll in the like along the water line or something, but. You're not going to do it. So, yes, you do have the islands. Like in the weekends, you can be, you can live where you vacation. But mm. uh, during the week, it's normal, like city life, let's say. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just back to normal life again. Yeah. And, yeah. and something that um, was brought up a little bit earlier and also sort of interesting about the island life is you felt sheltered growing up. And do you think that was part of, well, once again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You had a wonderful mm, childhood yeah. and mm. it seemed like a lot of happy times. But do you think having been sort of secluded on this island and then also really just in this community for the entire life, for your entire life up to that point, is that what's contributed to being sheltered or was there more? Uh yeah, it definitely contributes to being, to feel this kind of like sheltered. But at the same time, because I told you my family was Christian, is Christian. So again, like we would be in this environment where, oh, like there's love and all like, uh, you know, people are good and faith and all that. So if you live in a big city, which is not like Nicosia, I don't consider it a big city. But still, if you do live, let's say, in New York and you're in a sheltered family, like you can see a different side of the city. I don't know mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, because, I absolutely. mean, as a child, as a child, you're, they're not going to let you like wander in the streets by yourself. It's yeah, you're, you're going to be more sheltered. But yeah, definitely there's living in a small island that is not even one million people definitely 
feels more um, isolated and uh, sheltered, if if I can say. So it's a bit of a bit of both, bit of the location, a bit of the surroundings, like the background, the family, and stuff. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect segue into the next part of your story. So getting straight into the good stuff, because you come from this an island where it's a small community and it seems like a wonderful laid back time. And then you, you met this guy and you went off to Athens, which is a completely yeah. different ball game. So now it's just, you're no longer on the little island of Cyprus. You, you're going to the big city of Athens nearby and everything changes. Yeah, indeed. Five million people are cramped up in like a small, let's say city. Yeah, so you had one million people in Cyprus on the whole island. Spread out. <laughs> yeah, spread out. And then you had five five times that in one city. All right. Yes. Yeah. So how the Well, first of all, I guess we have to go back to the reason why you went to Athens in the first mm-hmm. place, and that was this this dude that you met at one of your summer camps. Yeah, he was like nineteen back then and I was sixteen, let's say, something like that. So we were both very young. Uh, he was also very sheltered, even though he was living in Athens, uh, in Greece. So, but he was also coming from a Christian family, uh, and even more conservative than mine. So he was very sheltered as well. Uh, but we kind of, no, we kind of, we did, we did fall in love. It was like the first love. It was pure. It was like unknown what to do. All oh, the first like heartbeats and stuff. So it was very romantic. Yeah. How it happened. Yeah. So you fell in love with this guy at summer camp, <laughs> like all of us do. Yeah. Skip town, and then you were off. You're like, all right, I'm I'm off to Athens. Wait, wait, wait. There were some steps between that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not jump. Like we started playing chess. That was very innocent, right? You started playing chess. That's how you met. <laughs> we we started playing chess in in the camp. That we get have talking. Been more innocent. That couldn't. I know. Have been more I know. I know. Yeah, I know. So we started playing chess. Like everyone were like, "Oh, Yannis, how can it can it can't be more Greek than that? Yannis and Christiana, they're playing chess. Ooh, you know." <laughs> worse, and then the rumors start. Of course, else. of course. And then uh, I went back, and it was back in the time where MSN was alive and email, and yeah, I mean, you didn't have WhatsApp or Skype that much and stuff like that. So we were starting to. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, those days. (laughs) The buzzing days, like oh, she's not responding. Let's buzz someone. You know. (laughs) Wow, man, what what does that mean? Are we getting older? (laughs) We are indeed. (laughs) We are. We are. We are the eighties, like nine, early, early nineties. Yep. Oh my goodness. All right. Anyway, continue. Let's not. (laughs) Uh, stay on that topic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was like 16. So by the time I got to be 18, like two years, we were basically having this relationship uh, online. But I went to visit him. He was he was in a co- in college, and he came to visit me, and like all was very innocent. But you know, we we were falling in love, and then he told me, "All right, listen, you're not going to go to England to study because that was originally my plan." You're going to come to Athens and be with me. And I was like, sure, why not? Well, how did you feel about that? Because that's a big shift from England, London, 
the the good universities that are there uh, all throughout England, and then now you're switching gears completely. I, I loved Athens. I, I like the city. I like Greece. For me, still, it's one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Like you have everything. You have a big city. You have the countryside. You have amazing islands. So it's like I wouldn't mind at all. Maybe I even preferred it to go to Greece uh, than uh, England. Yeah, because okay, I like, so that worked out. Yeah, so I just said, all right. And then uh, I talked with my my parents, uh, my family. And because they knew him and they, they really liked him, so they were like, fine, you can do that. But the good news is that, yes, you did love the city of Athens and fell in love with it right away. And this is one of my favorite parts of your story because this is – well, in my opinion, I would love to hear your opinion, when you blossomed, when you came out of your shell and really started to to take on your own as an adult and as mm. a young woman in the big city. And mm. you also had a decision to make then because you had this new self and then an old relationship that yeah. was really online, now together. And everyone knows that there's a lot of complications within that just by itself. But how did you how did you handle all of that? The love of the city and this new you and then also the relationship at the same time. So what exactly happened? I think I just went with the flow. Like I was doing my life, I was doing me, you know, I was going out, I was having friends. I, I was still very much involved with the church. I was going to the Bible school and also the university. I was still the good Christian girl, like very innocent and stuff. But at the same time, like I was having my friendships, I was having, you know, like, uh, experiences, I was going to museums, I was going, you know, to trips, and uh, it was really nice. I also, like, got ed education, which, which also is, like, plays a big role when you ed educate yourself and uh, you, you, ex you get exposed to different things. So, yeah, with all that, like, I felt that this, this guy, even though I loved him, and he was my first love, and, like, I was crying, but... It was time for us to choose if we want to be together for real, for good, like make it official because it was like five years into the relationship to, to uh, with uh, online communication until I became 18. And then after I went to Athens, we were two, like two and a half or three years on and off, you know, but it, it was not working for me. I felt like I was changing, but he was kind of the same. Mm -hmm. So I felt like... Um, who I was becoming felt I needed to get like to have more of this experience. I need to travel. I need to meet new people. Like I can't commit myself to, to you if you are not going to follow this uh, growth, you know? Absolutely. And how did you come to that realization? Was it, was it quick? And in a moment, once you got there, was it gradual as you began <gasps> building up? Because all of a sudden you're just ready to take the world by storm from a more conservative family. So what happened exactly to get you there? Uh, I think this is the first time I'm thinking about it, like what happened. Like I've never yes. like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're, uh, I'm learning something about myself too, maybe. So I don't know. Um, to be honest, like I just, it was very natural. Like I, it was a natural process. It was just me taking, you know, small decisions like me choosing my friends over him, like me saying, oh, you know what? I want to hang out with this person. It's like, uh, yeah, but I want to see you. Yeah, but like, 
can do you want to come along no i just i want to see you alone you know this was like a conversation um so step by step i felt like i was like going away but still at the same time because he was my first love i was very drawn to him so it was like this push and pull Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, because we were still in church and all that, like all people, like our friends, they knew us together. And the pastor was like, okay, guys, like, what are you doing? Like, are you playing games or like, are you going to be together? Even so the he pastor was, like, was saying that. So there was yeah. a lot of pressure on you guys. Yeah, it was a lot of pressure. But like, for me, I am, I'm, I am, I was, and I am still very independent person. So like, I couldn't like just, sit and take it and just be like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever you say or like the guy says. I, I had my own opinions and the guy, like we had the conversation and he was like, listen, like, do you want to take it to the next step? I'm ready to like engage or commit to to this and stuff. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't. I, I just I don't feel like I'm happy. I don't feel like this is for me. So he was wow, like, what a step. What a yeah. decision. <laughs> yeah, even though really Nathan, I could go to fire for him. Like I was really like I was really in love. But at the same time, mature enough to feel like this is not for me, you know? Yeah. Wow. So that is yeah. really mature at a young age to be able to say, nope, this is not what I want. This is not what's going to happen I was like for the rest 20, of my life. Maybe 22 or something back then, 21, 22. Yeah. And that's pretty crazy because now, well, after that too, enters the golden age of Christiana. It's just, and the golden age of Greece as well. Yeah. Athens, you said the yeah. Olympics were there and the World Cup and yeah. a lot of great things. You're yeah. studying, graphic designing, we were a photographer, all of this wonderful things. So a hard decision that led to something really beautiful and a really awesome time of your life. Mm-hmm, indeed. It was really great in Athens. Like, uh, the, the people were, um, very chilled and, uh, laid back and everyone was like happy for, for a good amount of time because stuff changed. But yeah, I was living, uh, 2015. I was in, in Athens, uh, college years. It was really nice and, um, a lot of, uh, great experiences. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. It decisions like that are always really strange because you could have stayed with him and you could have been happy and it would have changed your life and taken you in a completely different direction. You chose this direction was which could be equally or more amazing or less amazing, who knows, but mm-hmm. those decisions are always so weird and how they are so influential on your life, but then also good things usually come about it. When yeah. you, you follow your instincts and what you what you're feeling and being true to that, and so it's cool that at the age of 22 you were mature enough to to know <laughs> that that's not what you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, I wanted more of life than be someone's wife and just like you know that's it. Yeah, and not that is you. not that is something wrong. Like a lot of people. They have, this is their life purpose. So they, they have an amazing life and they get it to experience like having a family, but it's not for everyone. So yeah, exactly. yeah. And the timing, the timing was off. Like I want, I wanted all that, but not then. Exactly. So, yeah. Very important. Mm. That's one of the things where you should be ready for it. Don't you think? 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I, I don't know. Some people, some people rush into it, which is quite sad because yeah. they don't get to have the golden years. Yeah, running around Athens and being your badass self. But <laughs> unfortunately, uh, all things do come to an end, and the golden years of Greece also came to an end, and it, quite harshly in the the collapse of the economy. And mm. 2005, I went to Athens, so they they got they they started to decline, and then around like 2009, it started to be kind of bad, and 10 2010 maybe, and then it it was downhill from there. Oh man, so the city that you love all of a sudden took a turn for the worse, and what was that like to see that start to materialize? Uh, I can't say it was uh, like all of a sudden. It was really graduate, and because like it happened with me maturing, like it was kind of like I don't know. I didn't feel it up to the point I really feel felt it, you know. So it was kind of a, all of a sudden, but it was happening in the background, yeah. if I can say. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like step by step, people were losing their jobs. People were not like. It was a shift in, in the mood, like in the atmosphere even, like you can tell, oh, like, okay, like the stores are closing in one after the other, what's happening, you know? Then you start seeing old men looking in the garbage, then you were like, oh, what's happening? Because you could, like, then you could see like young people looking in the garbage for food. So it was like, you know, oh my God, you know, this is real. And yeah. yeah, it's happening. And uh, I had the job. Uh, I had I had a job, and I was also doing uh, a bit of Airbnb on the side. So like, I was in the mood of like meeting new people. I was I was okay with my my finances, but then I started feeling that oh, I I cannot pay for stuff, you know, because because even though with your salary. Uh, it's, it was around 700 euros. Now I hear that it's uh, around 450 per 450 month. 450 euros a month, and you were on yeah. 700 and 700 euros a month for what you were doing—corporate job, graphic design, something yeah. that's very needed. That's mm-hmm. that's insane. That's almost unlivable. You got to really scrap to to fit that yeah. in, let alone save anything. Yeah. So it really, I mean, those are really hard times. Mm. That's why I was doing the Airbnb on the side, because I, I do love meeting new people, and, uh, like, I was getting money out of it. Now in, in Cyprus, I still have the Airbnb and Couchsurfing, which is how I met you guys. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, back then, yeah, it was only Airbnb, just because I really needed that money, you know, and it was really nice getting to see people. So even though like the, uh, Greece was was happening, like the economy was class, collapsing at the same time, I was kind of having fun still, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of like I, I it started to be to be really um, visible the changes uh, in the shift uh, the, and the, the moods of the people, like in my, my workplace, it was more and more, um, like cutthroat business and people were just like the, no one, like people started not to trust one another. And like thinking that 
oh, she's here to, to, to take my job, you know? Yeah, yeah. So the other two designers I had, like, I was working with them, like, uh, as soon as, like, I got hired in this job. It was, um, I don't know if I told you, uh, it was silk printing. Like, I was designing graphics to be printed on uh, fabric and T-shirts and stuff like that. So it was really nice and creative, but like the people there, like the, the other two designers, they was just like, Oh, okay. She's, she's happy. She's, she's, she came, she came here. Uh, like, is she going to steal our job? And I was like, no, like I just like, I like being here. I, you know, and it's all, a, yeah. um, it's all part of this like big, bigger picture that if, if any, uh, Economy is failing. The people like start to be stressed and feeling that, oh, I have to be secured in my current position so I don't lose it, you yeah. know? Especially when losing your job can mean the difference between digging out of trash cans or not. Sure, sure, sure. And I don't blame them for it. And it teach me something. It teach me that not all people come with good intentions, you know, because I was sheltered. I came from a, a good family. We were not like rich, but at the same time, we're not missing anything. Like I didn't feel I was missing anything. Like my parents, um, show us, showed us love and like Cyprus was in a good place. So like I felt okay. Like no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, steal anyone's job. I'm just here, you know, surviving and having a good time in the process. But yeah, people were starting to be more and more, um, defensive. Yeah. So when did you decide to go back? Because that was probably a big decision. It's been 10 years. You love Athens. You've built a life there. What um, was the breaking point to make you go back? Again, it was the same as the other uh, decisions that I took. It was just like gradually I felt like I was being um, going through like a narrow path. It got even like, you know, narrow and narrow and narrow. And then it was just to a point where, okay, like I don't fit here anymore, you know, because yeah. like I asked for a raise. They were not giving me um, like uh, trans uh, moving from uh, my uh, home to work. It was a struggle because it was like one hour and a half with public transportation. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time. Yeah, and it's not like the nice, nice, uh, you know, like, oh, you go to the metro and you just sit there for an hour and then you just, oh, here I am. It's like you, you're afraid not to get robbed or not to get grabbed or like, you know, holding a cup of coffee at the same time because you have to entertain yourself with something. And it's like, you know, like in the morning I didn't mind it, but coming home from work, like when it was raining and it was like, waiting for 40 minutes for the bus and like coming in all wet and like people were just like crumpy and you know it's not fun no so for Nothing a young fun about that no so for a young uh adult you know when you're trying to find your way in life i mean it came saturday came and i was just like so dead like i would order something to eat and i was just sleeping the whole day and then sunday came and i was Okay, I'm gonna go to church and see my friends, and that that's it. Then back to Monday, the same thing all over again. Back to the grind. So yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a fun way to live. That's not. No. A, no. That's not a sustainable lifestyle for anyone, no. let alone a young adult. No. And as much as I loved Athens and the lifestyle there, and I was having fun. I'm not saying that I didn't, but like a lot of people felt the same way. A lot of people were. 
like building their own lives or getting their own like thing going on. A lot of my friends moved out, like uh, people got into their relationships. Like I, I, people were living Athens also. It's not like, you know, it's because they were trying to search for something better or people were moving back to, to Cyprus, a lot, some friends that I had. So, you know, I was like, okay, like my work is not working out because they're not giving me a raise. This is not sustainable, as you said. Then like friendships, they're kind of like in a shaky place. Um, I wanted to like find uh like date, you know, having a good relationship, but also like, the dating scene was maybe because of this crappy situation. Everyone so was even still... that was gone. So all the things that yeah. you loved about the city were slowly disappearing, chunk yeah. by chunk, because of this. Because yeah. maybe because of this crisis, maybe not. Maybe other forces, yeah. but sounds like it was yeah time to go, time to go back. Yeah, exactly. It was. I I just came to a point where I was just like crying to my bestie, my best friend. She's still there, and she's still like. Uh, she's angry that I left, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like, okay, um, you're gonna be replaced then. She's, I'm like, she's not gonna be the same as me, but she was like, well, you left, you left after. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Like, well, you yeah. can come visit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, no, we, we are having, yeah, we're still uh, best friends, but you know, she was telling me like, you have to do something. You have to either like get another job or like. I don't know. She didn't want me to go, but she supported, you know, the decision. So um, I was like, okay, going back to base. Yeah, back to back to so, where it all began. Back to New yeah. York. Was that hard? Yeah. Was it difficult, or was it a pretty smooth transition with your family there and your old community? Uh, yeah, everyone here, like it's it's literally my base. Everyone here, like my friends from high school, uh, they're still around and we still hang out. They're cool, and my my parents were welcoming me with uh, open arms. But because I went back and I started living with them, where I was living alone, that was not good. Oh, that's hard. Oh, that's, that's really hard because my mom kept saying, oh, you're not the sweet little girl I used to know. And I'm like, mom, oh, of course <laughs> I'm, not. I'm not the same sweet girl, 18 years old that I left. And she's like, oh, because you were hanging out with all these people, all these gay people. Sorry. But I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, this is me. Yeah, conservative it's... family, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, there's light. So, yeah, um, it was, like, very interesting to be back with family. And, um, yeah, we had a lot of clashes, especially with my mom. But because my, with my dad, we were very similar. But uh, I decided that I couldn't live with them anymore like I need my own space so um, I looked for a rent to, to rent a place and uh, I found this amazing apartment with a pool <laughs> and I always was Much a dream needed in the middle of Nicosia it's hot yeah. as hell during the summer yeah that's unbearable and not a lot of uh, apartment buildings have a pool so I was like yes I need this now uh, I have my own place I have my pool and my my privacy and I can do Airbnb and couchsurfing and all that good stuff to keep yeah. me occupied. Yeah, so it, it, 
it's interesting too that you come back and you had clashes with your family and was was it difficult leaving that sheltered life going having this decade-long experience of becoming more of yourself and then going back into it was it seems like it was difficult in some places but was there anything else that really jumps to your mind as a challenge that you faced going back uh i think i can say it's all like only my mom and the fact that cyprus is so small that you've seen everything in like a week you know uh, it's not really the case. <laughs> Coming from Athens. But, and like, well, I yeah, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you bump into people that you know, like almost everywhere you go, you'll see people that you know because it's like, okay, it's like very small. Because it sounds so, like you were ready to get out again as quick as possible. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> because and as much as Nicosia uh, is a good home base, sometimes you got to get off the island now that you've seen some some other things. That was the original plan, to be honest. And I was looking into getting uh, even into like uh, humanitarian like ministries or uh, uh, trying to see if I could travel uh, and at the same time help people, like try something different. Uh, I was very much interested in uh, the Middle East generally. Like I love the culture, I love the food, I love the people. They're very open and like. As uh, Cyprus, like uh, they, they're very similar to Cypriots. So, like um, this uh, organization that I'm currently working, they had an open position for graphic designer, uh, and it's a Christian, uh, it's a Christian uh, company that has satellite satellite television to the Middle East and North Africa. So mm. for me, it was something like doing. Uh, what I love doing graphic design and also like the cause, like the people helping the people of the Middle East. And uh, I get to travel a lot with this uh, work. Uh, so this is also like a, a bonus. And ah, so uh, you found your spot. You, you found I, your spot after all this I time. Did, I did find my spot and I was like, I was really happy for the first two, three years. But now, if I'm completely honest, I'm still like I'm starting to feel like okay, it's getting boring again. <laughs> yeah. We need to move on to the next so, thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's actually this is a good good point to to wrap up the show, and I think that's the final point that I would like to to talk to you about because your life has had these gradual decisions with some drastic changes in between, and now. Here you are again, <laughs> facing possible, another possible major change that might be gradual as well. And how do you, I know I'm interested as I'm going under one of those changes myself and a lot of people listening are going through the same thing of how do you even tackle a, a change like that? So, okay, things are getting boring now. How do you plan on moving forward with that and finding your next opportunity? Well, um, um, actually, I had a lot of um, ideas and a lot of like uh, opportunities. Let's say, like I, I, I am open to changing careers completely. I am open to maybe a master's uh, degree. I am open to even uh, starting like my own little family, uh, not having kids, but just like you know, 
Uh, getting <laughs> one at get, a time, one at a time. Yeah, getting more serious <laughs> with someone. Like now, I'm in a first first time in my life. I'm in a relationship that um, I think we're in the, both in the same place. So, um, like, I want to see where that goes. Um, and, uh, like, uh, for me, I am a person that is not easily satisfied with life and generally with opportunities. I like to, like, I'm not just satisfied with having a job and going, you know, back and forth to my, I, I want, I want to travel. I want to meet people. I want to be in a good relationship. I want to f- help my family. I want to have a career. I want to, I want it all, you know? Right. So right. <laughs> I am, I am uh, kind of ambitious. So like I have to, um, I have to have patience and see like, and, and, and I am also very emotional, even though I don't think I, it comes across, but like sometimes I just get moved by my emotions. So like if, if something is appealing and like it feels great, like I'm going to go for it. For example, now I've been accepted to Amsterdam to go for a master's degree, but I don't know if I'm going to go because I prefer to uh, see if this relationship that I'm currently in, like takes us to a great level, a, a good place. Yeah. It seems like you're casting your, you're out. You're you're looking at all the opportunities in front of you, which is good. I think sometimes we get tunnel vision on one opportunity or one thing, and that can distract us from all the other avenues that you can take. Mm. So that's cool. It sounds like you really tried to weigh in all of the options and have patience within those options and let them reveal themselves when it's time yeah. and not yeah. jump in to. And it's cool that you know yourself too. Knowing that you're emotional and you like to make impulse decisions, as with me, I am also very much like that. It's hard to sometimes curb yourself and look at all the options in front of you and pick the best one. So I think that's fantastic advice for for anyone. to. It's hard. Patience is one of the hardest things to practice in real life, especially when you have huge life-changing implications with every decision that you make. That's true. Yeah, it, it's but it's necessary. Uh, mm. I think it's necessary. Do you agree? Yeah, and it's great to have people around you that they're more like on ground to keep you like you know like yeah. Yeah, have those friends that know you. And they're also <laughs> yeah. on the ground themselves, not flying around yeah. and causing more problems. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes those friends are fun too, though. You can yeah. have a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's good to have some logic in your life, but again, listen to your instincts and just go with the flow. Yeah, I like so, it. Mm. I like it. Well, thanks, Christiana. Thanks for coming on the show. I think that was a fantastic <laughs> episode. And for everyone listening out there, I hope you enjoyed another episode of Oyster World Radio. And thanks, Christiana, for coming on. Thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, see how this goes, and I wish you all the best with the show. Yeah. And... Mm. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, come to Cyprus. Thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Oyster World Radio. And thanks again, Christiana Polivio, for coming on the show. Good luck with your next adventure, and I'm sure it will be a good one. Check out everything that happened in the Big Sabbatical on Instagram, at Nathan.Wanders, and the blog of my partner in crime, Jackie Gishbogger, at GishOutOfWater.com. 
Check out the links in the show description for more information. Special thanks to Charlie Milliken for all of the oyster jams. Check him out on Spotify or at charliemilliken.com. That's M-I-L-L-I-K-I-N. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N at patreon.com forward slash oysterworldradio. For only $5 a month, you get all of the behind-the-scenes plus some unique travel tips, so don't miss out at upping your game as an expert traveler. Once again, all of the links can be found in the show description. Thanks again for tuning into Oyster World Radio. We'll be back in two weeks. But until then, this is Nathan Lieberman signing off. I can't take control of my life If I'm too busy looking at the stars And thinking about all time that's gone by It's time for a change In my day-to-day scene Time to turn around from that clock Face the mirror and change